0: Be careful, if something is popular, it may be driven by demonic forces.
1: It scared me, but at the same time, it was kind of like a roller coaster ride. You're scared to death, but you're thrilled. I began to recognize after this that there was a presence that began to develop in my house. I mean, I would wake up in the middle of the night and literally feel someone's watching me.
0: Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell. Radio for the Remnant. Sitting in for Jan for one more week is Pastor Mark Henry, lead pastor at Revived Church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. His guests are the familiar voice of Jill Martin Rishi from Alder Martin Ministries and Pastor Jason Carlson from Lakes Free Church in Lindstrom, Minnesota and also from Christian Ministries International founded by Dr. Ron Carlson. Why are Christians flirting with the paranormal which is leading some of them to dance with the devil. We'll talk about that, this hour. The
1: oracle, as you put your hand on it, would just move around. Well, my brother's a jokester, you know, I thought he's doing it. He's trying to convince me he's not doing this. What I did, I took the Ouija board by myself up to my bedroom one night.
2: But the Ouija board still answered his questions, and Jeff knew some other force was at work.
1: It scared me. But at the same time, it's kind of like a roller coaster ride. You're scared to death, but you're thrilled.
3: Scared to death, but thrilled. Satan, they're working in the background to draw this man unto himself. Listen, Satan, the arch enemy of God, the accuser of God's people, the one that the Bible describes as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, will entice, lie, deceive. And friends, if he gets his chance, he's going to destroy us. Like I always try and tell my friends, don't dance with the devil. Welcome to Understanding the Times. My name is Mark Henry. I'm filling in for Jan Markel. You know, as you think through the scriptures, Satan is introduced in the garden, Genesis chapter three, and he introduces there from the very beginning, trying to deceive Adam and Eve, three great lies. Did God really say that? He's always gonna question when God makes a statement. It's true today, Bible speaks, Satan is still there asking the question, did God really say that? The second thing he said to Eve was, you will not die, there's no consequences. And then thirdly, questioning the goodness of God, If you partake of those fruits, well, God is just trying to keep you from good things. Today, all around the world, people are drawn to Satan through these seductive practices of the occult. We're always told they're fun, they're harmless, you're going to be in control. There's nothing really that's going to happen to you that's bad. When in reality, Satan is sitting there trying to destroy us. There's all sorts of cultic practices that people are drawn to. In fact, a recent Barna report tells us that 73% of all teens in America have participated in some form of the occult involved in the paranormal, New Age movement, Ouija boards. And really today, I want to focus in on the subject of yoga and the Enneagram. They're being infused in the church more and more. Is yoga just simply health exercises? Is the Enneagram going to help us understand our personalities? Is it going to save our relationships? To help us answer these questions and more, Professor Jill Martin-Rishi and Pastor Jason Carlson are with us today. Jill is the eldest daughter of Dr. Walter Martin, an adjunct professor at University of Northwestern St. Paul and Crown College. Jill is the author and editor of several books by Walter Martin, including Kingdom of the Cults. Jason is with us as well, and he is the president of Christian Ministries International, an organization devoted to evangelism, equipping Christians to share their faith with those in the occult, various world religions, and false philosophies. Jason also serves as a senior pastor of Lakes E Free Church in Lindstrom, Minnesota. He's an adjunct professor at Bethel Theological Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, and University of Northwestern as well. Jason's ministry reaches around the world. He's preached in over 30 countries. I want to welcome both of you today.
4: It's good to be here.
5: Good to be with you guys.
3: I want to start by sharing a clip with you, and this is a great example of how we're enticed as to the occult. This is an interview of Vanessa Hudgens, and she's suggesting to others, hey, the occult's okay. This is a gift. Go ahead and participate.
6: Even as a child growing up, I remember getting ready for school when I was eight years old and there was like, you know, those ducks that like, is like the duck thing that you pull, to a toy. Yeah. There was one of those on the dining room table and I started walking and it just started like going alongside me and I was like, interesting. Mm-hmm. And I kind of shut it down for a while because like, it's scary. Like it's, yeah. the unknown is scary, so you can't, but, I recently was like, no, this is like a gift and like something that I have the ability to do. So I'm gonna lean into it. And I recently did my first like real paranormal investigation, like with equipment and everything. What Went equipment? To... Like a flex capacitor? Like, what are we talking about here? Like what, what kind of equipment? <laughs> There's a lot. There's so much on the market. Genuinely. What? But like my favorite thing is called a spirit box. Okay. And it basically scans radio frequencies really quickly. You okay. want to do it in like more of a rural place so it doesn't pick up stations. And like, if you put it on AM, it just sounds like static, but something about the electricity that it creates allows spirits to speak through it. Oh. And I mean, I was, the earth
7: is all, we do have frequencies. Earth exactly. Has its own exactly. Okay.
6: So I was sitting at a, a tombstone in a graveyard with my best friend. Because that's what we do. That's what. <laughs> well, if you're trying to find ghosts, it's yeah, like, you know go what? to the graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> and is it nighttime? Sitting, or? Yeah, nighttime, pitch black. <laughs> wow, we're different. <laughs> and we found this one tombstone of a spirit that we were told is very playful. So I turned it on. I'm like, hi, Sam. I'm Vanessa. This is Gigi. I'm like, I'm not very good at this. I'm like, you're
4: Sam.
3: (laughs) Jill, is a paranormal safe, fun? I mean, that's what we just heard.
4: Well, they'd like you to think that it's safe and fun. And by they, I mean Satan and his angels. But the Bible tells us we live in a multidimensional reality. Unfortunately, one of those dimensions leads to hell. And when you start using these tools of the occult, like a spirit box, then what you are doing is taking the door that's cracked open on our side And pushing it open even further and what will come through that will be the power of the most awesome evil.
3: A friend of mine recently was at a restaurant and they walked up to pay the bill and they had one of the spirit boxes there next next to you while you pay your bill and then it would speak to the customers. We are seeing the infiltration of cultic practices everywhere and enticing people.
5: The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.4 that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. He's certainly using the whole world of the occult to do that. Recent studies have shown that there are over 60 million people today involved in the New Age movement or the occult. As Jill mentioned, these are wide-open gateways to the spirit realm. And as Jesus warns us in John 10, the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy The whole world of the occult is one of his primary weapons in doing that with so many people.
4: The thing about the occult, which means hidden or secret things, God says he has absolutely nothing to do with anything involved with the world of the occult. And these beings, they penetrate our dimension and they perform things that are contrary to our laws they catch your attention by pretending to be ghosts. They move objects like Vanessa Hudgens talks about. They can actually do that. They can spell words out on a Ouija board. They can put voices out there on other devices. So they have power and people are drawn to that power.
3: Yeah, they're drawn to that power. It's enticing. It creates money. It creates opportunity, but it also leads to depression and anxiety. Listen to this clip from Steve and his experience when he believed he was a God and how he started helping others become involved in the occult. I believed that
8: I was God and that we could all become Christ, too, if only we realized this inherent connection we have to God.
7: At 19 years old, New Age blogger Steve Bancars was a spiritual guru to hundreds of thousands of followers. For Steve, it had spiritual and financial benefits.
8: I was getting 200,000 to 300,000 views on it a day, and the income to me was an affirmation from God. I believe God was rewarding me with helping wake people up into a higher state of consciousness. It gave me a sense of power, a sense of purpose, and a sense of meaning and value, perhaps.
7: Steve grew up in a Christian home, but as a teenager, developed a fascination for aliens, the paranormal, and psychic phenomenon. That led him to question his parents' Christian beliefs, and eventually led to a full-blown obsession with New Age theology.
8: The first thing that really got me doubting the biblical worldview was ufology. All of these UFO sightings, evidence from the ancient world that we might have been visited, and there was enough evidence to make me consider that maybe the universe is filled with intelligent biological life that was perhaps naturally evolved. If you piece together the alleged evidence for reincarnation and the alleged evidence for you know, ancient astronaut theory, you get you get New Age theology.
7: Jesus remained part of Steve's worldview.
8: I didn't really reject him, but I didn't accept him for who he truly was. I created an idol out of Jesus to suit my own preferences, to suit myself, and to suit my sin. This Jesus was politically correct. He was a universalist. I wanted to be my own guide, and I didn't want to have to play by somebody else's rules.
3: Jason, when I read through the scriptures, Satan comes out and says he wants to be God. It's interesting that Steve says this, and then how his belief in the development of his deity, if you will, evolves in that process. Describe to us the significance of syncretism, how that plays out with him believing in Jesus still and trying to hold these things together.
5: The New Age movement, which is what Steve here is describing, is a broad philosophy. I like to refer to it as a not-so-New Age movement, because what it really is, it's a combination of three of Satan's most deceptive philosophies throughout history. You have Western secular humanism based in evolution, which says that men and women have evolved physically, and then you have Eastern Hindu mysticism, and then you have the world of the occult. And the whole goal of the New Age movement is that we have evolved physically, and now we can evolve spiritually to experience our own inherent divinity. What we see here in this postmodern spirituality that is so common today and so common in the New Age movement, what we heard Steve emphasize in his experience, you have the idea that God is just this impersonal universal force that we're all part of. There's no such thing as absolute truth. We're all one with the universe. We're all one with Mother Earth. That's where the whole ecology movement today comes into play so strongly. Steve mentioned the idea of no judgment, right? That's one of the most attractive things today in our postmodern New Age spirituality is that it doesn't matter what you believe. At the end of the day, we're all going to be reunited with this impersonal universal force called God. You talk about syncretism. Really, today's postmodern spirituality is the ultimate blending of these various false philosophies that have been leading people astray for thousands of years. Is it idolatry to go ahead and redefine Jesus? You got the Jesus of the Bible, but like Steve described in that clip,
3: he's redefining, he's remaking Jesus. Isn't that idolatry?
5: Absolutely. One of the common features of all of the false cults and false religions in our world today is the redefinition of Jesus Christ. You go down the list. The Jesus of the cults is not the Jesus of the Bible. That is blatant idolatry. When we set up God in our image, in the image that, as the Apostle Paul talks about, tickles our ears and pleases our fancies, right? That's what our world desires. We want a Jesus that appeals to me, that does everything I want him to do without judgment and without asking me to get off the throne of my heart. The biblical Jesus says, I'm the Lord, and I'm the one who sits on the throne of your heart. But all of these false idolatrous visions of Jesus today, in all of the cults, in the New Age movement, and postmodern spirituality, all of these false Jesuses are idols that say, you can stay on the throne of your heart, and Jesus... He's going to come alongside you, and he's going to help you experience your own Christ consciousness. You are God yourself, and that's the ultimate message of the New Age movement and the occult.
3: Well, that's what Steve said there. He didn't want to have any accountability to Jesus, so let's redefine him. Jill, one of the things he mentioned in there was reincarnation. I was on a flight just recently, started to share Jesus with my friends sitting there next to me, and the person responded and said, well, I'm born again. So we started exploring that and what this gentleman meant by being born again is he had been reincarnated. Are they the same thing?
4: No, they are not the same thing. We just go to Hebrews nine twenty-seven to find that out. And it is appointed for men to die once and after this, the judgment. So the Bible is in direct contradiction to what this gentleman is saying. And the Bible is our authority. So if it says that's not the case, it's not the case. The thing about reincarnation is that Hinduism likes to say that it was actually part of the original Hindu faith, that it showed up only in the writings about 500 BC, kind of throws that into question. And actually, there are many sources out there that state that reincarnation and karma showed up more like 1200 AD. So it was introduced into Hinduism, not a part of the original Hindu thought. So this whole idea of being reborn, and somehow our works can pay the price, for what we've done, is not a part of original Hinduism.
3: And Jesus made it really clear, you must be born again. And when those who were in the room listening mm-hmm. didn't understand that, he made it really clear, believe in me and you'll have everlasting right. life. And
4: one more point, too, is if they're going to argue that Hinduism was older than that, all you have to do to find out what Jesus thinks about it is go look at what he said. All who came before me were thieves and liars. So if they're saying about 500 BC, then All that came before are thieves and liars.
3: You're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Mark Henry, filling in for Jan Markell. Today we have two guests with us, Professor Jill Martin-Rishi and Pastor Jason Carlson from Christian Ministries International. I want you to listen to this next clip with me, and it introduces the subject of the Ouija board. I remember in high school, this was the big thing, and we were told it was safe. It's not going to harm you. It's fun. Come on, join the party. And if you didn't, boy, I'm going to tell you, there was a price to pay. The
1: oracle, as you put your hand on it, would just move around. Well, my brother's a jokester. You know, I thought he's doing it. And he was trying to convince me he's not doing this. What I did, I took the Ouija board by myself up to my bedroom one night.
2: But the Ouija board still answered his questions. And Jeff knew some other force was at work. It
1: scared me. But at the same time, it was kind of like a roller coaster ride. You're scared to death, but you're thrilled. I began to recognize after this that there was a presence that began to develop in my house. I mean, I would wake up in the middle of the night and literally feel someone's watching me. And I would wake up and literally
2: walk through the house in order to experience that because I liked it. And normally a kid in third grade or second grade wakes up and feels some presumably dark (gasps) presence in the room, doesn't want to get up and walk around the house at night alone to feel it or check it out.
1: right? Well, I based this experience on the fact that I knew that there was more. There was something. There was the other side.
2: Jeff was soon closer to the presence than he was to his own alcoholic father.
1: I mean, I was just unhappy as a kid. I I didn't want to be where I was. I didn't want to be in the family I was in. So I was looking for an escape. I was looking for literally the possibility of something else, anything else, because my life is I'll be honest with you, it's hell. Here I am, the town drunk's kid, being
2: abused, being neglected. I didn't feel loved. Soon after his experience with the Ouija board, the presence Jeff felt in his home spoke to him.
1: I woke up one night, and literally, it was like a voice behind my ear saying, Jeff, come. Come here. I got something to show you. This strange
2: force took Jeff on out-of-body experiences. During these times, he saw things days before he experienced them in real life. Then Jeff met a man who happened to be a practicing Satanist.
1: He prayed over me and laid hands on me. And when he laid hands on me, I was filled with a demon. And when a demon is around you or is inside of you, the sensation or the sense of their presence, you
2: lie to yourself.
1: You think that that's your power level.
2: He and his new teacher formed their own coven and recruited other teens to join them. I saw each and every one of them become demon-possessed.
3: Here this Ouija board was used not only to suck Jeff in, but now in this coven, all of these other students. It was a doorway into a demonic world. Jill, you had an experience as a teenager. Yeah, I did.
4: I was 15 years old, and a couple of my friends came to me because they were afraid, and one of them had been given a Ouija board. They were terrified because this Ouija board was talking to them, literally spelling out words so fast that they could not write it down. So of course they asked my help and as 15 year old, you do things that are stupid and this was a stupid thing to do. But I went there and I did actually put my hand on the piece of the Ouija board. It looks like a teardrop shape. It's called a planchette. I put my fingers on there and it was not me. It was not my friend moving it who was sitting across from me. It was literally as if there was a giant magnet under the board, and it was pulling it so fast that we could not hardly write down the words, and that's how bad it was. And he was joking around, and he knew things about some of the girls who were there.
3: He, you mean this demon. The demon
4: called himself male, So it got more and more serious, and we were talking to him for about 15 minutes, and I said, "That's it, I know what this is." So I looked at the Ouija board and I commanded it, in the name of Jesus, are you a demon?" And the planchet flew over to the word "Yes." And I said, in the name of Jesus, do you hate us? And it flew over to the word, yes. This is all to say you are dealing with a real being. I mean, this is a creation that fought with Lucifer before the world began. He was thrown out of heaven with Lucifer. So you are dealing with a very powerful thing. And 15-year-old kids should not be doing this. But the positive side of this is that me, a 15-year-old girl, God used to command one of these fallen angels. And I said, In the name of Jesus, were you at the crucifixion? And the planchet flew over to, Yes. And I said, What did you feel? And it spelled out F E A R, fear. And right after that, I said, In the name of Jesus, go. And it said, No. It flew over three times. It took me. And finally, in the third time, When I said, in the name of Jesus go, it literally dropped its mask of ha ha ha, I'm your buddy to spelling out a foul swear word and flying off the board. So these things are real. And this is to tell you that if you are going to experiment with these things, it is very possible that something terrible may show up.
3: And that's exactly what happened in Jeff's story and talks there. How was the gateway to him being demon possessed and his friends being demon possessed? Jason, you look around in America,
5: and it's like you don't see demon-possessed people everywhere. Does this really happen, or is this just a hoax? It's huge. It's all over. I'm talking with people in my ministry, both in Christian Ministers International and as a pastor on a regular basis, who have been afflicted by demonic spirits. And literally every case of people who have been demonized, it all began with experimentation, dabbling into the supposedly harmless fun and game aspects of the occult, whether it's Ouija boards or fortune-telling or tarot cards, palmistry, These are things that are so serious to God that in Deuteronomy 18, he said, I'm going to be driving the Canaanites out before you because of these abominable practices. And then he says to the Israelites, and you shall have nothing to do with these abominable practices for which I'm driving out these people before you. Like Jill said, in our culture today, which promotes these things as just harmless, fun, oh, I can play with spirits. You mess around with this stuff, it's like putting a bright neon vacancy sign up over your spirit to the demonic realm, and they will take advantage of it. In fact, every single person I've talked to who's experienced demonic possession or demonization, they all said it all began in that very same way. What they thought was harmless, innocent fun, leading to greater affliction from the demonic world.
3: Demons are not our friends, and Jill, your story illustrates that. Listen to what happened to Jeff, how he describes that these demons he thought were his friends and were going to help him along this path. Hear how they turn against him.
2: The demons that had given him power for so many years turned on Jeff and tried to kill him instead.
1: The demons inside of me literally began to torment me, turned against me and, and against each other, sending me through hell.
2: Jeff decided the only way to escape the torment was to kill himself. Got me a gun
1: and went down to my motel and put the gun against my head. And when I looked down the barrel of that gun, the thought in my mind, where are you going to spend eternity,
3: came out of nowhere. Jason, he was tormented by those demons. You and I are going to be in Israel, and we're going to go to Kersi together. And that's where Mark chapter 5 describes the demoniac Mm -hmm. and how he was tormented. Tell us about that.
5: Yeah, that particular story, right? You have this man who's literally like a crazy man. He's been cast out of his village. He's living out in the caves and in the hillsides, and people are afraid of him because he's so demonically oppressed. And you have to understand, that didn't start out that way for this guy. We don't know his whole backstory, but very likely started out the same way it started out today. Small dabblings into rebellion against God, participating in the supernatural, the world of the occult, and pretty soon you open yourselves up to greater degrees of affliction. And by that time, it took literally the Son of God to cast those demons out from this man. He was so afflicted. The Bible is crystal clear. Demons are not anything you want to be messing with. That last clip you mentioned is so interesting to me too because the man in his testimony there shared how these spiritual forces, these demonic forces originally came across as so benign. We want to help you. We want to take care of you, right? What does the Apostle Paul say in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen? He says, Satan comes disguised as an angel of light. He looks attractive. He might even claim to come from God himself, here to help you, here to show you the way, here to lead you to your own spiritual enlightenment. But in every case, these angels of light are demonic beings, tools of Satan seeking to destroy us.
3: Jill, you notice there at the end, he's got that gun and it says he places it to his head and he has one question that comes to mind. He says, it comes out of nowhere. Where will I spend eternity? Where did that thought come from?
4: God is so amazing. He never lets us go. He is the ultimate fighter for us. And I can't help but think that the Holy Spirit was there in that moment because Jeff was reaching out and searching. I truly believe that God puts these thoughts in our minds. Sometimes, you know, you've been encouraged by God before when you're very low and a thought will just come into your mind. So I do believe that the Holy Spirit comes to us and helps us. And look what that one thought brought. It brought thoughts of, where do I want to spend eternity? What is eternity? And oh, no, right? It was an oh, no moment of realization. So I look at that as being the hand of God.
3: Yeah, it was such an important, pivotal moment. Where will I spend eternity? Not only did he end up trusting Christ, being Mm -hmm. delivered, he's a pastor today. And Jason, I just want to ask you this question. Someone today might be touched by that question. Where will they spend eternity? Tell
5: us about eternity. How can we know for sure that we're going to heaven? The Bible is crystal clear on the matter of eternity, and there's two ultimate destinations. You can spend eternity in the presence of our loving Creator God who made us, who designed us to live in a personal relationship with him, who desires us to live with him in eternity, ruling and reigning together over the new heavens and the new earth. And again, the path to that comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 14:6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's through our faith in Jesus Christ and through his shed blood on the cross that forgives us of our sins, that brings us back into a right relationship with our creator, and gives us access to life abundant here and now and life eternal forevermore. For those who forsake that free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, sadly, John 3:16 through 18 tells us that we are condemned because we have not accepted God's one and only plan for salvation, His Son, Jesus Christ. And so if there's anybody listening today who hasn't yet put their faith in Jesus, I would encourage you, don't miss out on this opportunity, because it's determined for all of us to die once, and after that comes judgment. Mm -hmm. And today might be that day. We don't know the day that the Lord will call us home. And so don't miss out on that opportunity to trust in Jesus Christ by faith.
3: There's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says you will be saved. When we come back, yoga and the Enneagram infiltrating local churches throughout the globe. Are they a gift from God or a trap Satan has set? A trap that Satan is using to embrace, trick, deceive God's people. All this and more coming up on Understanding the Times Radio.
0: We hope you'll stay in touch with us online through olivetreeviews.org. That's olivetreeviews.org. You can call us Central Time at 763 559 4444. That's 763 559 4444. Write us through the mail at Olive Tree Ministries and Jan Markell, Post Office Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota 55311. That's Post Office Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota 55311. All gifts are tax deductible. In the age of fake news and false teaching, thank you for trusting Olive Tree Ministries. Thank you for being a part of the global outreach of Understanding the Times Radio in 2022. We look forward to bringing you more cutting-edge news and information from a biblical point of view in the new year. Many consider our times too discouraging to even pay attention to issues and events, but if we are to be salt and light, we must be informed. We will always remind you that God remains in control and that He is allowing much to transpire so that all that the Scripture foretold will come to pass. The Bible says that the sons of Issachar were men who understood the times. Tune in each week on radio, online, on our social media, on our website, or on his channel, Christian TV. And let us walk you through the events of the day from a biblical and prophetic perspective.
5: I tell people all the time, look, there are countless ways to exercise that have nothing to do with a 2,000-year-old occultic Hindu practice. If you want exercise, I can teach you how to exercise without having to get yourself immersed in the world of the occult. But yoga literally is a Hindu Sanskrit word that means yoke or union with God, the God of Hinduism, the impersonal universal force that they call God.
0: Again, our thanks to Pastor Mark Henry from Revived Church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, for sitting in for Jan Markell. Jen hopes to return next weekend. Pastor Mark's guests are Jill Martin Rishi, author of Kingdom of the Occult, and head of Walter Martin Ministries. Our other guest is Pastor Jason Carlson of Lakes Free Church in Lindstrom, Minnesota, and also director of Christian Ministries International, founded by his father, Dr. Ron Carlson. Here is the rest of today's program.
9: Why are tarot cards and crystals so bad? Well, for one reason, scripture consistently and unanimously condemns practices of divination. There are no positive treatments of things like crystals or fortune tellers in the scripture. There's also often demonic forces behind such practices. In Acts chapter 16, Paul casts a demon out of a girl who is a fortune teller, which tells us behind these practices, are often occultic and demonic forces. When you do these practices, you open yourself up to certain spiritual forces outside of the Holy Spirit and God in your life. And it's a way of placing trust somewhere and faith to try to get secret information about your life or your future that scripture says to stay away from. We're supposed to trust God.
3: Welcome back to Understanding the Times. I'm Mark Henry filling in for Jan Markell. Today, our guests, Professor Jill Martin Rishi and Pastor Jason Carlson, we're talking about the occult and how God warns us, stay away from these gateways that Satan creates so that you might be enticed, you might be deceived, and yes, you might even be assaulted by the King of darkness. I want to listen to David Reagan. He's doing an interview, and they're posing the question about yoga. Is yoga a good thing?
0: More and more churches are
1: offering courses in what they call Christian yoga, Is there really such a thing as Christian yoga? Or have some sincere Christians been sincerely deceived? And how did a feature of a pagan Eastern religion get mixed in with Christianity in the first place?
2: We're talking about yoga, and you're an expert. Can you tell us why you're an expert on yoga?
10: Well, Nathan, I was actually born and raised in India for the first 20 years of my life, so I saw the practice of yoga. I wasn't involved in it because I realized it was Hinduism. In fact, in Hindu teaching, It is known that there is no yoga without Hinduism. There is no Hinduism without yoga. The two cannot be separated. It cannot be separated into spiritual exercise because the very point of yoga, which was designed in the Bhagavad Gita, which is the Hindu writings, the Hindu holy scriptures, they call it, the Bhagavad Gita, the actual God, the deity in there designed yoga for the individual to connect to his God consciousness. In Hinduism, they don't believe that you're a sinner. They believe that you're ignorant of your divinity. So the spark within you has to be ignited through yoga discipline. In fact, another interesting thing is that it's believed that there is a coiled serpent asleep in each person, waiting to be awakened through yoga disciplines. The serpent is known as wisdom, power, knowledge. And if that is brought up through the chakras, which are energy psychic centers, they call them. It's metaphysics, it's not true, it's not scientific, certainly not biblical. But the snake is brought up through self-hypnosis, through going within oneself, through breathing, through waking it up, through disciplines, repetitive, saying the names of the deities again and again through repetitive things called mantras, repetitive prayer, through breathing pushing it up till eventually it comes to the third eye, the sixth chakra, and then comes into the mind, into consciousness where you realize that you're divinity and you you're connect divinity. that you are divinity huh. because within Hinduism it's understood that divinity is in everything. God is in everything, everything is divine, whether it's the rat on the street, the cow in the street, the monkeys in the trees, you, in fact, in before every yoga class you say Namaste That means in Hindi, the God within me bows to the God within you. So that is all an integral part of the spiritual discipline of yoga.
3: Everywhere you turn, it seems like yoga is there. I was recently at the doctor and he said, oh, your blood pressure is a little high. You need to go take some yoga classes. Tara and I were just traveling across the country and resorts we stayed at, yoga classes offered, cruises yoga offered, college campuses always offering yoga opportunities for every student. And now we're finding it in churches. Jill, is this really rooted in the occult or is this just a good thing?
4: Oh, yes. This is rooted in the doctrine of the demons. The Bible teaches there is doctrine that demons actually teach. And if you go back through history, you can follow those doctrines down through history. They are the same. So 1 Timothy 4.1 says the spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. So I love this clip, Mark, that you picked because Carol Matriciana here goes into her own personal experiences with it. And those doctrines that she's listing there are the doctrines of the demons. You cannot look at yoga, which in essence is idolatry, too. You cannot look at that and say it's compatible with Christianity, because it is not. If you go to India, you will see on many corners in cities throughout India, idols. And in front of those idols, people are doing yoga. They are doing certain postures, as they're called, asanas, in certain order. Why? Because it's part of the Hindu religion. I would caution you as a Christian, if you're going to do yoga, what do you know about what things mean, like namaste? The God in me bows to the God in you. That's idolatry.
3: Well, that's heresy right there. That's just heresy.
4: Yeah, and how can you be comfortable with that as a Christian? The body can only do so many postures, obviously, but it's what the postures are as far as the shape of your body and what order it's done in. Those things, they made me question. I used to accept years ago, Christian yoga. Oh, well, you know, your body can only do so many yoga positions. And why is everyone making such a big deal of this? But it was actually Carol Matriciana who, after I spoke with her, made it clear to me, this is definitely not something that Christians should feel comfortable with. And I totally changed how I viewed things. And I think we really need to be cautious as Christians that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit in the things that we choose to do.
3: Jason, you're a pastor. You've had people, I'm sure, come to you and say, Pastor, there's nothing wrong with this. It's just exercise. Yeah, how do you absolutely.
5: Respond? I tell people all the time, look, there are countless ways to exercise that have nothing to do with a 2,000-year-old occultic Hindu practice. If you want exercise, I can teach you how to exercise without having to get yourself immersed in the world of the occult. But yoga literally is a Hindu Sanskrit word that means yoke or union with God, the God of Hinduism, the impersonal universal force that they call God. And as Jill was just describing and as we heard in the clip, The yoga postures are physical keys that unlock the spirit realm. And the whole goal of yoga is to unlock the kundalini spirit that lays coiled at the base of our spine that the Hindus call the great white serpent of light. And the goal of yoga is hold to hold, un- hold the serpent of light, the great white serpent of light. Yes, the goal is to unlock the kundalini spirit so it can travel up through your chakras to possess your third eye, where you can attain through the kundalini enlightenment and discover that you are part of the impersonal universe called God. That's the goal of yoga. If the Bible warns us about anything, right, Jill, it tells us beware of serpents and beware of (laughs) angels of light. And and what is the kundalini of yoga? The great white serpent of light. There are lots of ways to exercise that don't have anything to do with occultic practices. And so I would highly caution, especially Christians, to stay away from yoga. We have 20 million people in the United States today involved in yoga. It's a $3 billion a year annual industry. And sadly, many Christians are buying into this. And Joe quoted from Paul in First Timothy. Let me quote from Paul in Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Sadly, for many Christians in the whole world of the occult, whether it's New Age spirituality, whether it's yoga, whether it's the Enneagram, the ideas, what we have in God's word isn't sufficient. We need something more. I want something that's going to tickle my passions, that's going to give me a new experience with God. That's the craze, right? We all want a new experience of God. God says, no, it's about being rooted in my timeless eternal truth, which is found in his word, the Bible. I would strongly caution people from having anything to do with a 2,000-year-old Hindu religious practice that's intended to unite you spiritually with the great white serpent of light.
4: And we as Christians are to be rooted in God's Word, whereas the occult and everything related to it is rooted in experience. You're looking at experience versus God's Word, and that should be a clear-cut choice for us as Christians. The thing that is interesting, and I think we really need to be wise in how we view yoga because all you need to do is go to the Hindu yogis to find out what yoga truly is. They refer to yoga as Hindu evangelism.
3: You're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Mark Henry, filling in for Jan Markell. Today we have two guests with us, Professor Jill Martin-Rishi and Pastor Jason Carlson from Christian Ministries International. Let me ask this of you, Jill, and I get this on a fairly regular basis— You know, my daughter's going off to college and now she's in this yoga class. So they come and talk to me and say, Oh, Pastor Mark, this is really good. This is really helping me. What would you say to the young lady in the yoga class right now?
4: I would encourage her to dig a little deeper, to use critical thinking skills where you look at something you are doing, lay it before the Holy Spirit, say, This is what I found out about yoga. Ask him what he thinks about this. And believe me, the Holy Spirit will definitely speak to your heart. And if she's open to that, I would say first to your research, then go to the Lord.
5: Jason, what would you say? People say that to me all the time. Well, I'm just doing it for the exercise and it really works for me. It helps me stretch. It's toned my muscles. Here's the thing. There are a lot of things that work that aren't good for you. I can teach you how to read using a Ouija board, but that's not good for me, right? No. And, and just because something works and provides a physical benefit doesn't mean it's spiritually helpful or positive for you to be involved in. In fact, wouldn't we expect the God of this age who's blind to the minds of unbelievers, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, who comes to deceive like a wolf dressed in sheep's clothing, wouldn't we expect a tool like yoga to have some positive benefits to appeal to our fleshly nature while at the same time opening doors to the occultic spiritual realm? I think that's exactly the kind of tool Satan would use to try to work his deception and destruction in our lives. Let's say you're a pastor and you hear
3: this and you go, wow, we have these yoga classes in our ladies' Bible study or whatever. What
5: advice would you give him? How would he unravel that? You have to bring clear understanding to those people who are involved, the true religious occultic origins of yoga. At that point, if somebody still refuses to acknowledge the deceitful nature of it, then they're truly walking in rebellion against God because God's word is clear that we are to have nothing to do with the occult. Just because there's some exercise benefits to yoga does not justify us being involved in a 2,000-year-old pagan spirituality. So I would strongly caution people to get out of their participation in it.
4: And I would just say, Mark, that there's a consequence to rebellion. Part of being involved in yoga is opening up yourself so we as Christians cannot be possessed, but we can certainly open ourselves up to oppression, a heaviness that sets down on our heart and our lives. And that can be a price that you pay for rebellion and following after something that is rooted in the doctrine of the demons.
3: The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. We're not supposed to give Satan any piece of that. And you look in the Old Testament, and that's what various kings did. Yeah, they worship God, but they brought in the syncretism, the idolatry of the Canaanite nations, and we see the consequences of that. Jason, your dad wrote a book that was such a blessing to me, and we use it to actually train all of the students that come through our program. Before they graduate, they have to go through Basic Theology by Ryrie, they have to read through so much of the Bible, and then they have to go through your dad's book. Tell us about your dad's book really quick.
5: Thank you, Mark. Yeah, my dad wrote a great book years ago, Fast Facts on False Teachings. It's still one of the best-selling books in the category of cults and non-Christian religions, co-authored with his friend Ed Decker. You can find that on our ministry's website, jude3.com. It's filled with great information on all the major cults, all the major world religions, all the major false philosophies. And just like the title says, it provides the fast facts, just the concise truths that we need to know to respond to these false teachings that are so prevalent in our world. I will say my father's mentor and teacher and dear friend was Jill's father, Dr. Walter Martin, who was the original expert in the non-Christian cults. He wrote the classic, The Kingdom of the Cult, which really anybody in the whole field of Christian apologetics and cult ministry owes a great debt of gratitude to Dr. Walter Martin. Dr. Martin's book was what we used in
3: seminary, and so I've been through the book literally every single word in the book, prayed over it, read over it, quoted from it. And so we use that to train all of our Bible college and seminary guys. These two books will really help you. If you're a pastor and you've got questions about yoga, I want to encourage you go to Jason's webpage, jude3.com, and find that book there, Fast Facts on False Teachings. The yoga section will really help you. It'll help your folks sort it all out. You're listening to Understanding the Times. My name is Mark Henry. I'm filling in for Jan Markell today. Our two guests are Professor Jill Martin Rishi and Pastor Jason Carlson. A few years ago, I had a church staff member call me and they started the conversation and they finally said, Mark, what's your number? And I thought, I don't know, I maybe weigh 195 today. I don't know. I didn't know what they were talking about. They laughed when I said that and they said, no, no, your Enneagram number. And I said, what is Enneagram And they started to describe to me how their senior pastor had brought in the Enneagram to test the staff, to see what their personalities are, so that way they could all get along and bring greater unity to the staff, greater unity to the church, and heal marriages and heal relationships. And as that person described it, I was just touched by the Spirit of God saying, this doesn't sound right. Listen to Maggie Ross and what she discovered.
7: So the main thing I took away from this was the origin or how the Enneagram came about. started back in 1916 with this guy named George Gurdjieff, and he was a spiritual seeker, and he created a nine-point diagram, where we get the word Enneagram, and he claimed that everything in the universe could fit into this diagram. There is a YouTube video that he shares with you how he came up with these nine personality types and that is by automatic writing, which if you don't know, the definition of automatic writing is a claimed psychic ability allowing a person to produce written words without consciously writing. In other words, it's a form of spirit contact that allows you to have some spirit or entity enter into yourself and use your hand to write out things that is super creepy it's like Ouija board type stuff like that is where the creepiness comes in
3: that's where the creepiness comes in that's her experience and I can tell you from my experience now this is opening Pandora's box again to the occult Jill what's been your experience
4: The Enneagram is something that you look at as one of the trickiest tools of the occult because it sounds psychologically oriented, like it might be even rooted in medical help. But actually what it is, is something that is rooted in deceit. It will try to suck you in to tell you something about yourself. Well, the way I look at that is if there is nothing going on as far as a personal relationship, that one-on-one dynamic relationship that we are supposed to have with Jesus every day of our lives, if that is somehow compromised or missing, then what you have is an open door and something is going to come in from the outside. You're dabbling in something that is deeply rooted in the occult, and it's provable. It's not a conspiracy theory. There's a historical record on the Enneagram, and none of it is good.
3: Everyone typically says when I bring these things up, oh, Mark, you're just being hypersensitive, and, you know, that's not true. Jason, what's the history? I mean, who started this? How does this all
5: unfold? The promoters of the Enneagram like to say that it goes back thousands of years. All of those claims are tenuous at best. Really, the earliest reference that we have to the Enneagram goes back to the early 1900s. A Russian exile who fled the Communist Revolution in Russia for Paris, France, a guy by the name of George Gurdjieff. In the early 1900s, was the first to promote the diagram, the image of the Enneagram. It was later picked up in the 1950s and 1970s by two New Age gurus, Oscar Achazo and Claudia Naranjo. These guys were steeped in the whole self-help movement, using New Age principles to help the human potential movement. One modern-day Enneagram expert calls the Enneagram a sacred map for self-liberation. Now think about that, right? Self-liberation. The idea is is that we can save ourselves. We can heal ourselves. What the Enneagram is, it's a nine-point diagram. The nine-point diagram, they call these the holy ideas. And these holy ideas, what they communicate to us is the ways that we each want to be loved, the ways that we suffer for not being loved, and then the ways that we act out of the pain of that. And the answer, according to those who promote the Enneagram, is that we need to say yes to ourselves. We need to discover our true nature, our true identity. And here's what the Enneagram tells you. You're perfect. You're whole. You're connected to everything. There's nothing more you need. You are pure. You simply need to embrace who you are. You need to value yourself just as you are Everything and everyone is spiritually interconnected. You are loved. The world is linked by love. We don't need to search for anything more beyond ourselves for acceptance, for truth, that we hold these realities within ourselves. If that doesn't sound like satanic deception, right? pointing us to ourselves, we're just fine by ourselves, we don't need any help, we don't need any outside forces to guide us, that the truth is within us, we just need to love ourselves, accept ourselves. And that's the basic message of the Enneagram Movement. I read this, and the first thing that comes to mind when I study this movement, I think of what the Apostle Peter says. 2 Peter 1. The Apostle Peter reminds us of this important truth, that God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire." Peter tells us here, God's given us everything we need in his very great and precious promises. We have the truth in scripture. The problem is, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, is we exchange the truth of God for lies. And instead of following our creator, we end up worshiping created things. And the Enneagram is all about the worship of self. It's all about self-liberation, self-fulfillment, self-actualization, recognizing your own inherent divinity, that you're okay just as you are. Does that sound like Genesis 3, right? That sounds like ungodly counsel, Did did God really (laughs) say? This is classic deception from the enemy.
3: Classic deception from the enemy. Well, what's it doing in the church? Now, we're going to play a clip. I'm not going to give you the name of the pastor. I'm not going to give you the name of the church. But this church is not far from where I pastored in Southern California. It's a mega church. The pastor's presenting a sermon on the Enneagram. It's actually a whole series. I want you two to respond to it because it really comes back. Do we need to add to the Bible? so that we might be saved. Do we need to add to the Bible? Hasn't God given us great and precious promises that are sufficient?
11: This is a series where God is calling you to change. And I wanna talk to so many of you who are Christians, and I just wanna challenge you. Man, there's so much misinformation out there today. There's so much hysteria about the Enneagram. And today I wanna talk to you about how God can use the Enneagram to help you. And I know this because he's used it to help me. And let me tell you what the Enneagram is. The Enneagram is a tool that can help me Identify me. It's just a tool. That's all it is. People are freaking out. Here's what Proverbs says this is the book of wisdom. It says, Get the facts at any price. At any price. Hold tightly to all the good sense you can get. And some of you have very little good sense. I don't know if you've noticed, but common sense isn't common anymore. God wants to use the Enneagram to reveal the real you. It's just a tool. And so many of you, you're so afraid, oh my gosh, I don't know where the Enneagram comes from. Look, nobody knows fully where it comes from. And I'm not here to tell you where it came from. I'm here to tell you what it can do. But here's what I know about my God. My God is not intimidated by anything or anyone. And he can use anything for his sovereign will and purpose. And he's used the Enneagram to save my soul and better my life. Somebody say, well, I think it's false prophet. Well, there's a false prophet in the Bible named Balaam and God uses him to bring about his will. And some people say, oh my gosh, I think, I think it's witchcraft. Well, God uses a witch to slap Saul all around in the
5: Bible.
3: Does that sound thinking, Jason?
5: This is so absurd. It's hard to even fathom this is being taught by an evangelical pastor. The first thing that comes to my mind is Jude 3, contend earnestly for the faith, once for all entrusted to the saints. Why? because false teachers have crept in, perverting the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is a classic example of how that happens. And Jesus warned us in Matthew chapter 7, right? These false teachers are going to come as wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. He says, you're going to know them by their fruit. What is the fruit? It's the fruit of their doctrine. Are they teaching genuine biblical Christianity, or are they leading people astray into error? And Jesus also warned in that passage in Matthew chapter 7, he says, Be very careful because there's a day of judgment coming and some are going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not preach in your name and prophesy in your name? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me because I never knew you. I don't know who this pastor is. I don't know what the state of his soul is, but I know that the Bible gives very strong warnings about leading people into spiritual error. As Joe mentioned, the history of the Enneagram is steeped in the occult. This, like yoga, is just another example of something that you may find some benefit in it, But again, just because something works doesn't mean it's good for you. George Gurdjieff, one of the originators of the Enneagram philosophy, he once said that you could sit alone in a desert for your whole life and do nothing but draw the Enneagram diagram in the sand, staring at it over and over again, and you could discover all truth in the universe. This is Gnosticism that Paul combated throughout the New Testament. This is Gnostic heresy that we read about in Colossians. It's been repackaged and promoted for a postmodern era today. Christians need to beware.
4: This pastor, I have to say, he's right about one thing. It's a tool, but it's a tool of the occult. And this falls under ungodly counsel. What do we know about that in the Bible? Go to Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. I think that says it all.
3: If I could say anything to that pastor or any pastor I meet, Preach the word in season and out of season, it says. It doesn't say preach the Enneagram or what's new, what's selling here or there. We're warned in Colossians chapter two and verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to human traditions rather than according to Christ. The warning is there. Jill, your dad wrote the book that totally changed my life, Kingdom of the Cults. How can they find this book? Tell us about your dad's two books.
4: There's the kingdom of the cults and the kingdom of the occult. The occult, obviously, about hidden or secret things, touches on all the things that the Bible and Revelation calls the deep things of Satan. But the kingdom of the occult approaches it from the standpoint of victory. And the kingdom of the cults, it never ceases to amaze me, the number of lives that God has touched with that. My father just tells people what they believe, and he uses their own words. How can you lose if you're using their own words? And to me, that's the greatest strength is the actual evidence that's given there. And we as Christians and as thinkers need to sharpen our critical thinking skills and go to the evidence and educate ourselves, right? Study to show yourself approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed.
3: And you can find Jill's ministry there at WalterMartin.com and find Jason there at Jude3.com. Well, I want to thank both of you for being on with us today. Thank you for helping us sort through these things.
5: Thank you, Mark. Great to be with
3: you, Jill.
4: Great to be with you too, Jason.
3: Well, as we close out today, I just simply want to say this to you. If you've been dabbling in the occult, please stop, turn away, look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been dabbling in the occult and quite honestly, you're under oppression right now and you're hearing this, I want you to remember what the scriptures say. There is salvation in no one else. There's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. That the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want you to hear the testimony of a young lady. She's a personal friend. She's like a daughter to us. She grew up in a very broken home, trying to find hope, trying to find direction, turned to the occult. Listen to her voice. I caught her the other day as she was walking through the hall of our church, and I said, Crystal, I just want you to share in one minute, a message to friends that are out here that need to hear the truth.
8: Hi, my name is Crystal and I used to dance with the devil. I was involved in occult practices through my early twenties and I was dealing with sleep paralysis for seven years. I would wake up in the middle of the night and something would be on top of me playing with my brain and I couldn't call for help, I couldn't talk, I couldn't move. It was horrifying, and everything that I tried to do would not help my situation until I called on the name for Jesus, Call on the name of Jesus, and he rescued me. And I became born again, and it hasn't happened since. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Don't dance with the devil.
10: Jesus, Redeemer, mighty
0: Contact us through our website, Olivetreeviews.org. That's Olivetreeviews.org. Call us Central Time at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. We get our mail when you write to Olive Tree Ministries and Jan Markell, Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. That's Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota 55311. All gifts are tax-deductible. It is both a privilege and a challenge to be born for such a time as this. Our adversary, the devil, is truly overly busy, sensing his time may be short. As a result, many things may seem to be drifting out of control, but in reality, they are God-orchestrated so that everything may fall into place.